Chesterbrook Academy Preschool is here to help your child move forward academically, socially, and emotionally. You'll be amazed at the progress they'll make in our classrooms. They'll be ready for kindergarten and make lots of new friends in the process. So they'll be happy, and in turn, so will you. Contact us today to schedule an open house appointment starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday, January 22nd. Visit ChesterbrookAcademy.com to find a preschool near you. That's ChesterbrookAcademy.com. We're going to be learning Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the third piece in Hilchus Gerushin. This is Perak Yud Bey's Halacha Gimel. And Rab Chaim has an important, if a bit technical, analysis of when we believe someone who's holding a document in order to collect money or that there was a divorce, under what circumstances do we believe them? So the Rambam says if the husband comes in order to try and take back this get or to negate that it was a good get, so if he says, Lo nasativ law, I didn't give it to her, it just it fell from me and she found it, Eino neman, we don't believe him in that case, Sharei hodesh because he's admitting that he wrote it. There's no question about the effective validity of this get. And she's holding it now. She somehow got it, so therefore we believe that it was given to her properly. But if the husband comes and he says, Al-Tnai Haya, the get was given, he admits that he gave it, but there was a condition, or Pikadon Haya, he says that he just gave it to her to store, Me'olam lo kasavtiv, or he even denies writing it in totally, Mizuyafu, he says that it's uh, just a forgery, then Yiskayim Bechosamav, then we have to either establish that the witnesses who signed on here are correct, that's called Kium Haget, that we can validate who these witnesses are and that it's their signatures, or we have to find the Ede Mesira. We see that there were witnesses who saw it was given. As we explain, says the Rambam, and if they cannot establish that this get was written, they can't validate the signed witnesses or the witnesses who saw it given, then we don't believe him. So again, if the husband admits he wrote it, but he says that he didn't give it to her, then he's not believed once she's holding it. But if he says that he never wrote it, or he admits to having given it to her, he just says that it was given not as a get or it was given with a condition, then it needs kium haget. We need to establish the validity of the witnesses. If we can do that, then it's a valid get. And if not, she cannot validate these witnesses, then it's enem gureshes. Now, the Rambam in Hilchus Malva Velova deals with the similar situation with regard to a shtarchov, a document of collecting a debt. So in a financial situation, where the person who owes the money says they didn't write it. So this is in Perk Yudal at Alecha. Hey, the Rambam says, Hotziyalav if someone takes out a document that they're owed money, uh, and they cannot do kium hashtar in this case, they cannot validate the witnesses. So if the lova, the person who supposedly borrowed the money, if he says, I admit that I wrote this document, but I already paid it back, or I didn't borrow the money, it was just in case I needed to borrow, or I was planning on borrowing, anything like that, so the Rambam says that we believe him. And the reason is because since he could have denied the whole thing, he could have said, I never wrote this document, this is a forgery. It's only because he admitted that this is a good document that we believe the document to begin with. So so therefore we also have to believe him when he says that he paid it up or he never borrowed the money. He can make a shuas heses when someone denies everything, they make a vow and he won't have to pay. 
So the way the Rambam codifies the halacha when it comes to regular shtar chov, that someone owes money, is obviously different than when it comes to a get. Because when it comes to a get, if the person admits that they wrote it and then they say that they dropped it and she found it, then we don't believe him. We don't say that Hoel, that he could have denied the whole get to begin with and said he never wrote it. We should believe him when he says that he wrote it, but he didn't give it to her. But instead, once he admits to writing the get, it's almost out of his power on some level. And if she has ownership, possession of the get, then we believe that he must have given it to her. So Rab Chaim wants to understand why is the law in Hilchus Gerushin different from Hilchus Malvelove? What's the difference between a get and a Shtarchov? So Rab Chaim points to a Tosos and Ksubas and Afyad Chesam with Beis, which asks, the Mishnah there says that Ha'edim Sha'amruk Savyodeinu Huzeh. Two witnesses admit that th- this is their signature on a document, but we were forced to sign this document. So they are saying that the document is invalid, even though it's their signatures, because they were forced to sign on something not true. So the rule is that if we cannot verify their signatures independently of their admission that they signed on it, meaning we don't have their signatures written on other documents, then then we do believe the witnesses. Now, Tosos asks from a Brysa on Dafyutesamudbeis, which says that if you have two people signed on a document and two other witnesses came and they said the two witnesses on the document were forced to sign, so we view it as tre utre, it's as if there's two witnesses against two other witnesses, and we don't necessarily believe the second witnesses to undercut the signatures on the document. So we see from this Brysa that two witnesses signed on a document, they're not just signed on the document, but they are also implying that they were not forced to sign. That's why it's as if the two witnesses are contradicting each other in the case on Yates Amud Beis, because witnesses on a document are not just signed that whatever happened in the document happened, but they are also saying that they weren't forced to sign on it. So if so, why in the case of the Mishnah, when the same witnesses come back and say that they were forced to sign, why don't we apply the same rule and say that the fact that their signatures are on this document already implies that they were not forced to sign, and therefore they're not able to retract that, even with Amigo. Amigo means they could have said a much stronger thing, so even though they could have said that they didn't sign on this, but we shouldn't believe them, even if there's no independent verification, because their signatures on the document itself implies that they were not forced to sign. So Atosos answers... Since the rabbis established that you have to verify a document, the witnesses on a document, this case is considered as if there is no kiyum, even though they're admitting that they wrote the the signatures on the document, it certainly is their signatures, but since while they're testifying that it's their signatures, immediately they say that they were either kids or they were forced to sign. So it's as if there was no kiyum, it's as if there was no verification of the signatures at all. So Rab Chaim explains this, that what Tosos means to say is that it's not that there's a migu, that two witnesses can come and say, these are our signatures, but we were forced to sign and we believe them because they could have said a much stronger argument that this wasn't even their signatures. That's not how it works because that actually wouldn't work. You couldn't have a migu, which goes against two witnesses who are signed on the document saying that they were not forced to sign. 
Rather, says Tosus, the way this works is more fundamental, that there is no kiyum. A document requires kiyum in order to be valid. And here we have no kiyum because the witnesses who say that these are our signatures are also saying that they were invalid signatures because they were children or they were forced and therefore there is no kiyum to begin with. And that's why they're able to undercut the shtar. Not because of amigu, but because this is a shtar which is not a verified shtar. So when they say that it, this was invalid signatures, we believe them. Now, says Rav Chaim, using this framework that Toso sets up, that there's a difference between migu versus when the shtar is not mikuyam. So what would be in a case where the borrower admits that he wrote this shtar, he acknowledges that it was a valid shtar where he wrote that he owes the lender money, but he undercuts the shtar by saying that the actual loan never happened. He never got the money, and so the shtar is not actually a valid record that he owes money. Do we view that? as if he should be believed because of the migu, and it's different than the case of the Edim who undercut their signature, because when the Edim undercut their signature, they are saying that the whole shtar to begin with was an invalid shtar. The signatures we see on this document are invalid because they were forced to witnesses or they were children. So they're undercutting the very essence of the shtar. But this borrower is not undercutting the shtar. He's admitting that the shtar is good, independently the shtar is a valid shtar. It was written by a borrower to the lender to say he owes him money. Except he's trying to undercut it with a different roundabout point, which is that the actual loan never happened. So in that case, it would just be a migu that we could believe him because he could have denied it totally that he wrote the shtar. Or, that's option one. Or, says Rab Chaim, do we actually view these as the same case? In both cases, the entire shtar is being undercut, the very essence of the shtar. Because when the borrower says that the loan never happened, he's effectively saying that the shtar is a lie. What it says in the shtar happened did not happen, even though, yes, it was written by the right people and it has all the elements of what would make a shtar, but the essential story that's recorded in the shtar never happened and therefore it's like a shtar that's not mikuyam. The essence of the shtar never takes effect and he doesn't need a migu in order to disqualify the shtar because it's automatically disqualified at its essential level of being a valid shtar. So this is Rabbi Chaim's question. When a borrower denies that the whole loan took place, is that similar to the case of Migu, different than when the Adim deny that their signatures were done properly? Or is it the same thing? It's as if the shtar is not Mikuyam. Says Rab Chaim that we can bring a proof from that Gemara in Ksubis, because on Dafyu test, one of the examples is where the Adim say that that this loan never happened, it was in case they need a document that we signed. And there the Gemara again says that if we cannot independently verify the shtar, then they would be believed. So we see from there that witnesses are able to undercut the shtar by saying, yes, we signed on this. It was done properly. But the loan that the shtar records never happened. And that's considered as if the shtar is not mikuyam. Because again, using Tosus' same framework, if there is independent verification, there's a xaviad of these two witnesses' signatures, then they would not be believed to say that the loan never happened. So that means that part of what witnesses on a loan document are saying, the signatures on there are saying that the loan actually happened. 
So the fact that when there is no independent verification, they're able to disqualify the star by saying that the loan never happened, according to Tosfos means that they're undercutting the whole Kiyum Hashtar. Amigo is not going to be sufficient anymore because it's going against their signatures, which say that the loan did happen. So it must be that they're totally disqualifying the Kiyum Hashtar. And that's why we believe them when they say that the loan never happened. So that would teach us that when someone acknowledges that a star was done properly, the right people were there, the right people wrote it or signed it, and even more so, it's still a usable star. This star could still be used for a future loan, but they say that the loan never happened, so that is enough to undercut the kium, and this is now considered a star which is not mekuyam. So coming back to the case of the love, says Rab Chaim, it would be the same thing if the borrower admits that he wrote the star, but he says that the loan never happened, even though in essence this is a usable star, it's a valid star, but he's undercut the whole kium, and he doesn't need a migo. It's not that he could have denied having written it at all, but even if he admits writing it, he's believed because it's a star which is not mekuyam. And Rab Chaim offers another proof for this from a case where the witnesses say that there was a condition attached to this document. So again, if we cannot independently verify it, then we would believe them. But there's some who hold that if we could independently verify their signatures, then they would no longer be believed to say that. So again, we have a case where the witnesses who sign on a document, their signatures testify that there was no condition attached to this because there's no condition written in the document. So the document seems to just be straightforward. And the signatures are attesting that there was no condition. And yet, if they say that there is a condition and we cannot independently verify it, we believe them. According to Tosos, that must be because it undercuts the whole Kiyum Hashtar. We don't consider this as a Shtar Mekuyam. And again, here we have a very strong case where this is certainly a usable Shtar. They could redo the transaction without a condition there's no condition mentioned in the star, so they could e- easily use the same document for the same transaction again and cut out the condition part of it. So even so, when the witnesses say, this is our signature, but there was a condition attached to it, they are believed to do that, and they can undercut the star. They can make it as if it's a star, which is not mekuyam. So that shows us that even a fully usable star, which is a valid star, it could still be a valid star in the future, if the witnesses undercut it by saying that the story which is in the star is not true, the loan didn't happen, or there was a condition attached to it, that's able to transform this star back into a star which is not mekuyam, and we don't consider their admission that these were their signatures as making it a star mekuyam. So this is Rab Chaim's thesis. Now he asks from the Gemara and Ksubis on Dafyu Testament Bays that Rab Nachman holds that if the witnesses say the loan never happened, it was just a, a written in case in the future the borrower wants to borrow, so they're not believed in that case. Says Rab Chaim that there's many Rishonim who hold that this is even where there is no Ksavyad, there is no independent verification. So we're relying on the witnesses' admission that this was their signatures. And still, they're not believed to undercut it by saying that the loan never happened. So if so, Rav Nachman is making a distinction between if the witnesses say they were forced to sign versus if they say that they signed properly 
properly, but the loan never happened. In the first case, where they say they were forced to sign, they undercut the whole shtar. It's as if it's not a shtar mekuyam, as Tosos explained. But in the second case, where they say that they signed willingly, but the loan never happened. So in that case, finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Duchess potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local Geico agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. They are not believed, and the reason would have to be because saying that the story in the shtar didn't happen is not fundamental enough to undercut the kium hashtar. The witnesses are admitting that this is a good star and that they signed willingly. Once they accept that the star was done properly, they're just saying that the story in it is not true. So that's not considered fundamental enough to undercut the Kiyum Hashtar. So this would go against Rab Chaim's thesis that uh, t- saying the story in the star was not correct is also a form of undercutting the Kiyum Hashtar. But uh, this Gemara with Rav Nachman seems to imply that that's not true and that undercutting the story is different than undercutting the signatures. So Rav Chaim says that he thinks that his thesis could even work in Rav Nachman. And the, the explanation of this is that when Rav Nachman says that witnesses are not believed to say that the loan, the story in the star never happened, he means not that the star is totally valid and it's considered mekuyam and uh, just commenting on the story is not a way of undercutting the kiyum. He agrees to all of that. He agrees with Rav Chaim's thesis. What he means is that ultimately they are admitting that they signed on the shtar. And there is a halacha that if someone goes up against a shtar and they deny what's written in a shtar, then the shtar is more powerful. He quotes a Gemara in Babasra and Daf Memtes that the lo'asi al that you can't orally negate what it says in a star and override a star. A star is more powerful. So in this case, since there is a star which says that he owes him money and the witnesses are agreeing that the signatures were properly done, therefore the fact that they are negating the star, the kiyum hashtar, and they're saying that the story never happened is not enough to remove his obligation to pay what's in the star. So in that way, it is different than when they deny the whole signature in the star, because then they're saying that the whole star was done improperly. But still says Rab Chaim that this is not considered kiyum hashtar. So even though this is some sort of effective star in order to force him to pay, but it's not considered a star mikuyam because the kiyum hashtar was removed by the fact that they said that the story never happened. So, so this would be a way to say that even Rav Nachman, who implied that he disagreed with Rav Chaim's idea, also accepts it. Now, if this is the understanding of Rav Nachman's halacha, that when Adim say the story never happened, the borrower still has to pay, says Rab Chaim that if we translate this into the case where the borrower admitted that he wrote this star, not witnesses, the borrower said he wrote this star, but he never borrowed the money, so then he's actually going to be believed because there's a basic difference between the borrower himself and witnesses. When witnesses sign on a star, they say that a star was done properly, they are saying that the loan was done. 
witnesses only come to the star when they're going to complete it, everything's been done, it's all ready to go, and then they sign the star as the last step. But the borrower is able to write a star even before the loan happens. A borrower could go to Sofer and commission a document saying that he owes money. That's the halacha, that they, we write a star for a love even though the loan hasn't happened yet. And then he can decide when to go and give it. So when witnesses say that they signed on the star and it was done properly, but the loan never happened, so that is more problematic because saying that they signed on the star implies that the loan happened. So we don't believe them when they then go ahead and say that the loan never happened. That's the whole thing Rab Chaim just explained in Rab Nachman. But when the borrower himself says that, yes, he wrote the star, it was done properly, but the loan never happened, then he certainly believed because it's very plausible that he wrote the star before the loan happened. That's perfectly correct to do. And since, as Rab Chaim explained, the fact that he says the loan never happened removes the Kiyum HaShtar, so you now have a non-Mikuyam star. There's no verification on this star. And the Lova is saying that the loan never happened. And it makes perfect sense that there would be a star for the Lova before the loan happened. And so we can easily believe the Lova that he doesn't owe the money in that case. So there's going to be, according to this whole analysis, a basic difference between the case of two witnesses saying the loan never happened, where they're not believed against the star, versus the borrower himself saying the loan never happened, where he is going to be believed based on this equation because it's a, not a shtar mekuyam. The story's been undercut and that undercuts the kiyum hashtar. And since it's perfectly plausible and reasonable for a lova to write a shtar before the loan happened, so then he's going to be believed that the loan never happened. That's all according to Rav Nachman. And Rav Chaim adds that certainly according to Marba Ravashi, who disagrees with the Rav Nachman over there in the Gemara, and he says that the witnesses are not believed to say that the, the loan never happened because they shouldn't have signed on a document before the loan happened. So by acknowledging that it's their signatures, before the loan happened, they're admitting that they did something wrong. And the principle in halacha is that we never believe people's admission to make them a rasha. So according to this view, uh, we would certainly have to say Rabbi Chaim's idea that when the borrower says that the loan didn't happen, it's not a problem because borrowers are allowed to write the shtar earlier. And he says that the, the Rambam himself implies this. Because the Rambam we're dealing with says that the borrower is believed to say that the loan didn't happen, even though he's admitting that he wrote the star, so saying that the loan never happened goes against what it says in the star. And he quotes that the Rambam in Helchus Edus in Perik Gimel, Halacha Zion, he uh, quotes the Halacha that if the witnesses say that it was a mana, it was going to happen in the future, but the loan hadn't happened yet, that is a false testimony because witnesses should never sign on a star before the loan happened. But still, the Rambam said that the borrower is allowed to say it. So why is the borrower allowed to say it if that's also a false testimony? So Rab Chaim says it must be that the borrower here is not a migu. It's not that he could have denied writing it and therefore he's believed to say the loan didn't happen. But rather, the way Rab Chaim's been saying it throughout, once the borrower says the loan never happened, it removes the whole Kiyum Ashtar. This is no longer a fully verified Shtar because he's 
now saying that the story didn't happen, which is essential to the star. And since we believe the borrower, he's allowed to write the star before the loan happened. So then he's telling us that this star, which he admits to writing, is not a full testimony. What it says in the star is not correct. And therefore, we don't even believe this star to obligate him to pay. And that's why the Rambam says that a borrower who says the loan never happened does not have to pay. Now, says Rabbi Chaim, having explained all this, now coming back to the difference between the get and the shtarchov, we could explain why the Rambam differentiates between them. And the equation goes like this. When someone pulls out a document, the, the woman has a get, or the lender has a document that the borrower owes him money, and the other person says, it fell from me. So the Rambam holds that that's a very unlikely situation. That rarely happens. It's a milsed lo shchicha. And therefore, you're not going to be believed with a migel. We can't believe that since you could have said a more regular claim like that uh, it was a forgery or they never wrote it, therefore we're going to believe them on this very unusual case. So therefore we can't apply a migo in that case. But the Rambam still says that if a borrower says, this fell from me and you found it, I never gave it to you, we would believe him uh, in a case where there is no independent verification of the star. And the reason, says Rab Chaim, is because as he's been explaining throughout, we don't need a migo in that case. Once the borrower says that he never borrowed the money and he never gave him the star, he can undercut the whole kiyum star. We don't accept that this is a verified star, and he can undercut the whole claim that's written in the star because undercutting the story, as Rabbi Chaim's been saying throughout, is a way to undercut the essence of the star. So that explains why the Rambam paskins that when there is no independent verification, the borrower can say, "I never gave you the star; it fell from me." But if we try to apply this now into the case of a get, so then the equation goes differently. And that is because a regular shtarchov needs kiyum. It needs verification to be usable. But a get does not need kiyum. The Rambam in Hilchus Gerushin, Perak Zayin, and Perak Yudalid, the Rambam holds that a get doesn't need kiyum. The husband can come and argue on the get and say that this is a forgery and then we would need to prove it. But in a regular case of a get, it doesn't need kiyum. So since get is fundamentally different from a regular star, that a regular star needs kiyum and a get doesn't need kiyum, so then that's going to change the whole equation because as soon as the husband admits that he wrote this get, he can no longer undercut the get by saying that the story didn't happen because it doesn't need kiyum. The undercutting the story will remove the kiyum from the get, but a get doesn't need kiyum, so it's still going to be a valid get. The only thing the husband can do is what he can do in a regular case. He can say it's a forgery or he never wrote it or uh, there was a condition. He could say one of the classic arguments against the get. But to say that it fell from him, the only way to believe that would be with a migu. And as we said, the Rambam doesn't apply a migu in such an unusual case. So the other approach, which is the way we believe the borrower, that he can undercut the whole document, won't apply to a get. Because since a get doesn't need kiyom, so it doesn't help to undercut it by saying that the story written in the get never happened. So this is Reb Chaim's explanation to explain why a borrower is able to say that they never gave this person the document, they never borrowed the money, it fell from them and the lender found it, whereas the husband is not believed to say that a get fell from him and his wife found it. And the key conceptual point that Rab Chaim develops is that when someone denies the story which is written either in a shtarchov or in a get, 
not the signatures. They admit that the document was written properly and it was signed properly and everyone who should have been involved did so properly. But by denying that what it says in this document actually happened, that's a form of undercutting the whole document itself and making it that it's not considered mekuyam. And in certain cases, we won't even believe the document. Now, this is a very controversial thesis. In the back of the Or Olam edition of Reb Chaim, they quote from a number of later achronim, including from Rav Shach, who questioned this, and they say that the simple reading of the Gemara and the Tosos in Ksubis is that it's not that this person undercuts the whole shtar the way Rav Chaim explained it, and there's no kiyum shtar because he's saying the story didn't happen, but it sounds like it's a regular old migu that since the person could have said a much stronger thing that this is a forged document or that these signatures were invalid, and instead they said the story didn't happen, so they so that obviously would go against Rab Chaim's whole yesod in this piece. Now, in terms of the main issue that Rab Chaim brings up, which is why do we believe a borrower who says he dropped his document and the lender found it, but there was no actual loan, but we don't believe a husband who says he dropped the get and his wife found it, but she's not divorced. So there are other approaches to resolve this. Rab Chaim himself, after he asks the question, he references that other Mefarshim have dealt with this. And this discussion we primarily find in Choshen Mishpat at the beginning of Simen Mem Vav. The Ktsos and the Nesivas deal with this. And the Ktsos, not asking on the Rambam, but asking on the Halachas in the Shulchan Aruch, asks this exact question, why is there a difference between a shtarchov and a get when the person claims that it fell from them and it was found? So the Tzos's basic argument is that there is no difference and that he believes that we also would not believe a borrower who said that he dropped the shtarchov and the malva found it. We don't believe him in that case and that he would have to pay. The case that the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch are talking about, they never say explicitly that the person said he dropped it. That's just the assumption because he says that he never borrowed. So how did the lender get the shtar? So we've been assuming that he's saying he dropped it. But the so says that you could just say that he's saying that he gave it to the Malve, whether it was done wrongly or not. That's besides the issue. The point is that he gave it to him, but it was not done correctly. And therefore we believe him. But if you would say that he dropped it, so then the Ktsos actually holds, we would not believe him. Now, the Nesivis always disagrees with the Ktsos, and here too, he uh, disagrees with him, and he quotes a number of other Achronim who also disagree with him. He quotes the Tamagid Mishnah, and the Tumim, and there's also a Sma, which very clearly says in, on this Simon and Shulchan Aruch that the case is where he says that it fell, and in all of those cases we do believe him. So the Nesivis says, like Rab Chaim, that uh, we do believe a borrower who says that he dropped it. So back to Rab Chaim's question, what is the difference in this case? So the Nasivis has a much simpler approach, which is he basically says that there's a difference between a get and a shtarchov, uh, either that people are more careful when it comes to a get, a guy doesn't just want to drop his get anywhere, whereas a shtarchov is a little different, or uh, possibly because when it comes to a shtarchov, the lender is trying to take another person's money, so therefore we believe this person when they say they dropped it, but we're not going to believe that when it comes 
comes to a get. So the Nesivas focuses on more simple distinctions between a get and a shtarchov to explain why we would believe someone that they dropped their shtarchov, but we don't believe them to say that they dropped their get. Uh, this is obviously different than Rab Chaim's approach, that the difference between a get and a shtarchov traces itself back to this conceptual idea that denying the story in a document is a way of undercutting the whole document. And the, the difference between a get and a shtarchov is that a get doesn't need kiyom in a regular case, whereas a shtarchov does need kiyom. And in terms of the practical question, whether or not a borrower who says he dropped his shtarchov and the lender found it is believed. So in a case of a get, everyone agrees that if the husband says he dropped it, we don't believe him. And when it comes to a shtarchov, the ktsos says that we also don't believe the borrower, same as the get, same as the husband. And there are many achronim, the sma, the tumim, the nesivis, Rab Chaim, they hold that we would believe the borrower in that case. And they say that's the simple reading of this passage in the Rambam. I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouthfeel. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500.